good morning, good afternoon, good evening, no matter where you may find yourself as you listen to this. And welcome to the show that is truly responsible for every bar you've ever heard from A-Ward. This person was behind it. This guy. It's not called Brains and Bars for nothing, people. You tune into another episode of It's a Black and White Thing featuring A-1. The homie A-Ward is not in the building tonight. He is uh, going over the bars I've sent him to prepare for APA uh, for Culture 6 going down on iBattle this weekend in New York. So while he's rehearsing the lines that I've clearly written for him, as Real Sick said in his battle versus Ward, he has a team of ghostwriters. I am the head ghostwriter. I am the only ghostwriter. There are no 12 ghostwriters. It's just me. Everything is every hot bar you ever heard from him. It's me. It's all me. It's all me. Um, I kid. I kid because we care. But no. Nah. Um, but the homie is getting getting this getting this material together to battle Oppa. It should be a dope battle going down this weekend. I cannot remember if this is one where I think it was the event I battle had a couple of weeks ago when they streamed it live on YouTube. I don't think this is the one that's streaming on YouTube. So if you want to check it out, get the iBattle app, subscribe. I think they have a yearly option and a monthly option. Subscribe to the iBattle app. You can check out Culture 6 on the app. I do know they also, if you are don't want to subscribe and become a monthly member, they also, if you subscribe to that, or not subscribe to that, download the app. You can also uh, get the VOD, which they release about a day or so after their events if you wanted to check out just that particular battle. Um, Appa is a rising star in the battle rap culture. Um, got his start in the spaces, um, does great impersonations. I think he had, has a, I think it's Mook impersonation at the kill. I think he does a Luke Castro. That's really good. I want to say he also does a Loaded Lux. That is really good, but don't quote me on that. Um, but yeah, so Rising Star started on Twitter Spaces and is now making his way up the iBattle ranks. He is their current headband champion. Um, this is a battle that I personally have been waiting for. I know Ward has talked about he can't wait the opp- wait for the chance to step in the ring and battle Oppa because he is a fan of Oppa as well. So should be a good one. Should be a good back and forth, man. So y'all go check that out coming up this weekend, December 9th and Saturday in Staten Island. Uh, all right. So um, as always, you can check out every episode of It's a Black and White Thing by going to the podcast app of your choice, searching for It's a Black and White Thing or Brains and Bars. Um, rate, subscribe, give us five stars, um, leave a comment. You can also check us out on YouTube by searching Brains and Bars, hitting that notification bell, hitting that like button, commenting, sharing that to as many people as possible. We always appreciate the people who watch, who like, subscribe, share, comment. Um, I might have actually ran into somebody this week who I did not know who was not like someone that I was related to friends with. who was like, yo, I saw you on the podcast, had somebody at work say, yo, I saw you on the podcast. So I thought that was pretty cool. So, you know, slow, slow growth. I'll take it. Um, We got an interesting show. I'm probably going to be on here for about maybe 30, 45 minutes. We'll see what happens. Going to talk about college football playoff. Going to talk about week 13 of the NFL. Look ahead to week 14. Some of the more interesting matchups is going to be happening there. So, and in about maybe five or 10 minutes, I might also put the StreamYard link out for anybody who wants to pull up on me, people, regulars who have, uh, you know, who comment on the show and whose comments I read. If y'all watching, y'all want to jump on here, holler at me about any of the topics I'm talking about. Got something that you want to get off your chest. We can do that as well. But if not, I'm cool with being just me. So let's get into it, man. So, you know, college football playoff 
final rankings happened this past weekend. You had the national title. I'm not national title. You had the conference championship games, Pac-12, Big 12, SEC, ACC, um, Big 10 all go down this weekend. Um, Not a lot of compelling games. Obviously, the Pac-12 championship between the final Pac-12 championship was very bittersweet. Going down between Oregon and Washington was the most compelling game. Um, I guess in the SEC, I'll throw them in there too. Very close game, very compelling games. And the committee released that final ranking. So I want to go back to Saturday night and then work my way to Sunday. We can keep going about talking about this, right? So, you know, you have the great game between Oregon and Washington. It comes down to another three-point victory for Washington. We get into the SEC title game after that. Um, and as we're watching the game, the game ends. Bama wins. And shout out to the homie Shock. I'm going to give him his due here. He posts in the group that we're in. He goes, yo. Bama's going to sneak their way into another championship, winning another championship, right? And I went, I can't, because we had already seen Texas defeat uh, Oklahoma State pretty handily. They were 12-1. and They have their their big win, biggest win was over Bama. I said, you know, and if Florida State, if they handle business tonight, I get it. They're down. Jordan Travis, he's out for the year. But if they handle their business against Louisville, I can't see the committee leaving out Texas whose best win is over Bama or Florida state, who's a power five top four team with the championship undefeated. I said, I just can't see that. Right. Washington's in because they own two top five wins over Oregon undefeated one there, uh, won their conference championship and Michigan. It goes without saying, right. Big 10 champ. They had Iowa. I mean, that, that game was going to be trash. Like it wasn't going to be good because it's Iowa. Um, and so I said to me, the top four is going to be I, initially I said it was going to be Michigan, Washington, Texas, and then Florida State in that order. Um, and then having a conversation online with 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 the person, I was like, well, um, no, actually, yeah, I think I said Georgia. I think I might have Georgia first at four if they had lost. Um, and after a quick conversation, I was like, you know what? War kind of got me straightened out on some things talking to a person online, I'm like, okay, the top four should be Michigan, Washington, Texas, and then Florida State. Uh, Because I did think that there were compelling, based on resume, based on body of work, I did think that there were compelling reasons to have Georgia or Bama be that fourth spot over Florida State. But at the end of the day, I said, you know what? Again, undefeated, power conference champion, um, get it, lost their quarterback, and then we get to Sunday. And I'm in church. Um, you know, listening to the sermon, um, I have Bible on my phone, right? So, you know, got got my phone going on with the sermon and all of a sudden a, a drop down hits, like notification hits. The committee has released their top four. Their top four is number one, Michigan, number two, Washington, number three, Texas, and number four, Alabama. And I didn't have the opportunity because I was in church because I'm listening to the sermon. I didn't have an opportunity to truly react in that moment or to have kind of jump in a group chat and have a bunch of deep debates and discussions. But in the moment, I thought the committee has lost their mind, right? If you go back to why the committee was created, it was created in part because you would have things kind of like this, right? Where you had a BCS, you had analytics, a computer looking at data, not looking at full pictures, not looking at performance, simply looking at data and spitting out a number that said these two teams were the worthy teams to play for the national championship. And to be fair to the BCS, more times than not, it got it right. There was some 
glaring issues. I think you had Miami left out one year that Nebraska got in. You know, Nebraska got killed in their conference title game. That's the one that sticks out off the top of my head, right? But you had those times, right, where it was just like, eh. And so we as college football fans, we said we want the human element. We don't want computers. We don't want data. We want to have real people sit down and discuss who should be in the playoff. And for the most part, to give credit to the committee, this might be its second or third iteration. I can't remember how many times, how many changes they've had along the way. They've gotten it right, right? There have been some controversial ones. I think you have Ohio State, the year they won it all, getting included into the playoff. Um, there have been some other ones. I know Notre Dame has been a controversial one the year they got blasted in 2020 by Clemson in the uh, ACC title game. So you've had some teams where people like, I don't know, Oklahoma got in one year. Maybe they shouldn't have. The thing that I love about this 14 playoff and the thing that I think we're losing as we go to 12 is that this 14 playoff, it caused you to value the regular season incredibly, right? You had to win all your games, one loss, maybe two losses, maybe two losses, but you had to play your best. Every game counted. Every game mattered. The games against the big boys, the games against the, the, the nondescript teams, the FCSs, Division twos, you had to win them all, right, if you wanted as a Power 5 conference team. That means winning your all your games and a conference championship, or if you're Notre Dame, the best way for you to get into the playoff is to go undefeated, right, because Notre Dame's going to play a decent enough schedule. They had to, to Until this year, they hadn't had any uh, non-FBS opponents. They'd always played Division One opponents, right? And so the regular season always mattered. And in one decision, which, you know, I do think the FSU AD is right, that had that will have far-reaching uh, reverberations, they devalued the regular season of Florida State. Florida State won all their games, won their conference. I get it. Jordan Travis is the quarterback. I get he's not coming back. I get Tate Rodemaker had not looked great against Florida, but they won the game. Their defense stepped up in the absence of Tate Rodemaker. I'm sorry, in the absence of Jordan Travis. And in my opinion, that defense is a defense that could compete with Michigan, that could compete with Bama, Texas, Georgia, you name it. They could compete with any of the top four, top six teams in the playoff. Me, based on how they played against Florida, based on how they played against Louisville, yes, it was an ugly game. Yes, it wasn't a good game they should have gotten the right to prove it on the field. And instead, the committee chose to follow. They chose to be like us. They chose to be like Twitter fans and just casual fans and diehards who say, well, we just want the best matchup. But here's the thing, guys, you got to understand. 70%, there have been 27 college football playoff games, semifinals and finals. 27 of those games have resulted in blowouts. 20, I'm sorry, 19 of the 27, that's 70% have resulted in blowouts. And it's not people go, oh, well, of course, that's what happens. You let Notre Dame in, you let Washington in, or you let TCU in. No, that's happened to Clemson. That's happened to Oklahoma. That's happened to Ohio State. That's happened to Bama, right? You've had all these blue bloods, all these top of the line programs get into that final four and get their butts handed to them at one point or another, whether that be a semifinal, whether that be a final. 
right? Maybe it hasn't looked as bad as a TCU versus Georgia, but there have been some ugly games from the best of the best within that tournament. Here's the thing, people, here are the things that people are overlooking. We truly don't know. We can theorize that, oh, if we let Florida State in, oh, they're just, just going to lose by 40 to Michigan. Newsflash, people. Iowa has the worst offense I have ever seen in my life. Iowa, in that game against Michigan, the over-under for the first half point total for Iowa, Iowa was .5. Not one and a half, not two. Point, all they needed was a safety, a field goal, and they covered the first half spread, and they couldn't do that. In that game, Michigan both covered and I think it was 20 what 20 and a half 20 and a half points I think was was the uh the spread and they also hit the under in the same game for the total points so Iowa has one of the worst offenses of all time really good defense really good defense Florida State has weapons they have NFL they have two wide receivers who are going to be drafted when they come out this year Right. They have decent offensive linemen. They have a stellar defense. It's got a couple of guys who are going to be drafted day one, maybe day two in this upcoming draft. That was a team that had a defense that could compete. They didn't have Ryder Maker for that game. He was going to be back by the time the bowl game rolled around. He suffered a concussion. But Florida State had two SEC wins, one over LSU, one over Florida in their rivalry game. That defense held Louisville, which is a top 20 defense. I'm sorry, offense, to its worst performance of the season. And they were fully healthy. They weren't missing pieces. They had everybody they needed to, to win that game. Jaden Daniels, who's, who's probably going to be your Heisman Trophy winner, his worst game of the season was against Florida State. His worst numbers of the season, by far, against Florida State. He went crazy. He went crazy against LSU, right? So again, they you talk about Florida State's going to get blown out by 40 against Michigan. Michigan couldn't do that to Iowa with a terrible offense. Their defense stepped up and put up some of their best performances of the season in the absence of their leader, right? And here's the thing. I think Florida State could have beat Michigan, even with Rodemaker, because Here's the other little dirty truth about, about the top four teams, the top six teams. None of them have been playing championship-level football. Not Georgia, not Bama, not uh, Florida State, not Texas, not o- Ohio State, not Michigan. All six of those teams, not Washington, I almost left them out. All six of those teams were playing winning football, but th- they were not, if you had to look at all six of them, not one of them had played a game where you go, oh, okay. Except maybe Georgia. Georgia had some, they were blowing out some teams, but the L- that Florida, I'm sorry, not the Florida game, the Mizzou game for Georgia was tight, was tight for a little bit. They ended up pulling away at the end, but it was a close game. But none of those teams truly had those runaway, far and away, oh, That's what the number one team in the country looks like. That's what a future champion looks like. They did what they had to do to win. And when you take a team, shout the Mama Ward in the building. I appreciate you. When you have a team that has put together 
a, a perfect season like that, you cannot leave them out. Otherwise, you say their season doesn't matter. And what the committee said was what matters is the last game for Bama, the last two and a half games or game and a half for Florida State. That's what they assess their season on, not looking at the full body of work. It is not to say that Bama is not worthy of consideration. But y'all sit here and tell me all the time that football is a meritocracy, that it matters, that it matters. Salute, salute, salute. Shout out Smoke Kings. That it matters that that football, you earn it on the field. Nothing is given to you. You take it, right? You earn your respect. You earn your ranking. You earn that title on the field. And yet the committee chose to, in a sense, ignore it. They, they didn't. They did not ignore it, but they ignored it. You know what I mean? You understand what I'm saying? They said, Florida State, you are the fifth best team in the country, but you would be the fourth or the third best team in the country if you had your quarterback. And while we're on the subject of quarterbacks, let me help you understand something. Quarterback is the most important position on the field. It matters. It matters a lot. I'm not denying that. But we have elevated quarterback to a position where – You always hear people say quarterbacks get too much blame, too much credit, right? But in this instance, they are make they basically. I saw a tweet that said Tate Rodemaker. I'm sorry, Jordan Travis must be the Heisman Trophy winner because he's so important to his team that they couldn't even make the playoff without him. You cannot tell me that it is that you cannot see Florida State being competitive with Michigan. We have no, we don't know. And here's the thing: people say, well. What what would Vegas say? I'm glad you asked that. Vegas in the Pac-12 championship game said that um, Washington w- was a nine and a half point dog to a team that they had already beat previously. So even Vegas can get it wrong. We can't look at Vegas. We can't look at narratives. We can't look at how we might feel someone would perform. We can't guesstimate how we think they could how they would perform. Herm Edwards told us told gave it to us straight. Hello, why did we play? We play to win the game. Thank you, Trent. I'm, it, takes, it takes years for genius to be recognized. Trent said, I thought backup QB is the most important position on the team. First of all, you're bastardizing my point because it's not what I said, sir. It's not what I said. What I said was, if you have your quarterback and you have your, your skill position roster set, you have average talent at most of your positions where you can compete with other teams. That backup quarterback then becomes the most important position to take care of. Because if something happens to your starter, you need a quarterback who is capable of either carrying you for a few games or, if need be, potentially carrying you through a postseason. And you know what? Kanye said, uh, I'm ahead of my time, sometimes years out. That's why the powers that be won't let me get my ideas out. I was ahead of my time. I came out that QB theory four or five years ago, and folks was hating. Folks laughed at me. Now you look across the NFL, backup quarterback is important. You look at the, the college football playoff, the backup quarterback is important because a team, an undefeated team was left out because they didn't believe in the backup quarterback. <laughs> Go. Crown me, please. Crown me, please. I don't be out here just saying stuff, just be saying stuff. Listen to you. Listen, listen to me now. Believe me later on, Trent. You're under dig. You understand what I'm saying? Listen to me now. Believe me later on, baby. 
the backup quarterback is very important, apparently in college football too. So again, we cannot go off of how we feel, what we might think might happen. We can't use Vegas as our, our guy because, again, Vegas had TCU getting crushed by Michigan. Y'all had TCU getting crushed by Michigan, and they pulled off one of the biggest upsets of the college football playoff last year. I get it. They got smoked in the title game. Okay. But y'all said they didn't deserve to be in the semifinal, and they made it to the finals. We don't know what could have happened. It is possible that Florida State could have beat Michigan. And now, now the goalposts are going to get moved, right? Because now when they go to play in the Orange Bowl against Georgia, well, if they really care, they, they beat Georgia and they can prove us wrong. What does that do for them? That doesn't get them a shot at the title. It doesn't, it doesn't, it does nothing for them other than they get to beat an SEC team. Their third of the year, by the way, if they happen to win that game. But if they lose, obviously, we told you, we told, bro, we don't know. They deserve that. And that's the whole point. They deserve the opportunity to see if they could compete. Their defense earned that opportunity. Their back, their third string quarterback, like winning a game with your third string quarterback. Hello, winning a game with your third string quarterback is a huge achievement because obviously as you, you can only lose so much talent at a position before it starts to become a detriment. Chiefs fans know this. You lost all your, your offensive linemen. You got to the Super Bowl. It mattered. It didn't matter until you faced a defense that could put pressure on you. Louisville, again, a three-loss team, a team with a really good defense. I think it's a top 30 defense, a top 20 offense. So they could beat Florida State. And to be honest, they had a touchdown taken away from them. That should have counted. They could have beat them. They were shut down. And so winning a game, that shows the strength of your team over a singular personality, a singular player. And that's all I got to say. Matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and hit. We, we about, about 25 minutes in. Hold on one second. I just posted a, a link in the chat. If y'all want to pull up on me, you're more than welcome to. Trent asked me, you really wanted to see FSU over Bama or Georgia? Yes. What was I going to do? What, what, listen. I've watched all manner of bad. I watched Michigan State in the college football playoff. Yes, I would watch Michigan versus versus Florida State. I'm a college football fan. It's not like people were not going to watch. At worst, people are going to show up to see if they were going to get crushed. And if by halftime, if it was 25 to nothing, yeah, then people turn the TV on. But putting these teams together does not, does not guarantee competitiveness. Because if Michigan blows out Bama, what are y'all going to say then? Not to say that I think that's going to happen, because I do think that Bama can win it all, because credit to Bama, they have improved throughout the season. Now, it's the worst Bama team to ever make the playoff, and that's not up for debate. They struggled with, with A&M. They should have lost to Auburn. They struggled with South Florida, for God's sakes. Right? Got, beat, got beaten up on by Texas at home. So you can't tell me that this is a great Bama team. It's a good Bama team. All these teams are flawed. All these teams are flawed. So again, yes, I would have liked to have seen them play. I would have liked to have seen them try to make something happen. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Hold on one second, y'all. Let me see if I can uh, throw this shot to the homie Jesse in the building. He says it's a joke, and I agree wholeheartedly. I'm going to try to see if I can throw this on Facebook real quick. So if you get this feedback, Please forgive me. 
But now, I mean, I mean, y'all let me know what y'all think, though. Y'all let me know what y'all think. Like, do you think, well, I, I mean, I know how the majority feel, right? The majority feel that the committee got it right. I don't think they got it right. Period. <laughs> I don't think they got it right, man. Um, I'm trying to let me see if I can make this work. Hold on, please. One second, people. Oh, yeah. Here we go. If you follow me on Facebook, I just put in the comments. You want to pull up on me for a hot second, you can definitely pull up on me. All right. But again, I, I'm going to watch the games. And I want to say this as I kind of close out the college football talk and jump into the NFL. As a, If you are a college football fan, you have a favorite college football team, whether you attended there and that's your alma mater, or whether you're just a fan of the team like I am, right? I didn't go to Notre Dame, but I rock with Notre Dame. I need y'all to stop complaining so much. I need, I, I am tired of the whining. I'm tired of seeing uh, people talk about meaningless games. Um, hold on, hold that thought real quick. Cause Jesse said something. He says, I don't think they got it right. FSU got holes period. If that was your team, you would agree. You would. And here's the question I want to pose to people who talk about Bama, because here's the other point. I saw Dion say this. We ain't talking about, okay, you football from pull up here, Trent. I'm going to tell you, I have the, I have the power to, to, to bring you into this world and take you out of this world. All right. Anyway, um, Dion said, well, it's Bama, right? How are you going to leave Bama out? And, he, and he's making a historical argument, not an argument rooted in facts, stats, data. He's making a historical because the SEC, Mike Slide tried to do that. Well, the SEC has been so dominant. How can you leave us out? You weren't good enough, sir. What do you mean? We're, we're not talking about what you did last year. We're not talking about what you've done for, we're talking about what you've done for me lately. Shout out to Miss Jackson, if you're nasty. We're talking about what you've done for me lately. Ooh, 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 yeah. Your teams were okay. Georgia was an okay team. They were a flawed team. So don't talk to me about history. Don't talk to me about precedent. Talk to me about what you did as a whole this year. All right? So back to the college football fans. Nothing infuriates me more than to than to hear college football fans say, if it ain't the college football playoff, it's meaningless. And when did sports become so much about winning being the only thing where we can't simply enjoy a game because we want to sit down and watch our favorite team play? Notre Dame could, could be playing uh, uh, in a uh, the Leavenworth All-Stars, they got Leavenworth Penitentiary, right? They can be playing the Leavenworth All-Stars. And if it's televised, I'm watching because I enjoy Notre Dame football. I want to see Notre Dame football. I want to see them. <laughs> I want to see them succeed, right? They're not perfect. I've, I've criticized Marcus Freeman and his, and his offensive philosophy on this show. I've had things to say about that. But if they're playing, I'm watching because I'm a fan. If you're truly a fan of your team, it does not matter whether they play in a New Year's Six Bowl, in a college football playoff. I get it. If you have high, if you're an LSU fan, right, Georgia fan, Ohio State, Florida State, Notre Dame, you had aspirations of your team being one of the Final Four. It did not happen. That does not mean that those young men are not worthy of your dollar, not worthy of your ticket to go see them, not worthy of your t investment at home to watch them. Enjoy the games, right? 
as much as I want to, I want to see these kids get paid. The system is a system. They're not listening to me. I want to see them get paid. And I hope that that happens someday, that there is revenue sharing from the billions of dollars they generate in media rights for these games. But until that happens, if Notre Dame, they're playing in El Paso, the people said they sold out in a day. When that game happens, I'm going to have my TV on and I'm going to support Notre Dame. I'm going to be happy when they do well. I'm going to be sad when they don't. Right? Everything doesn't always have to have high stakes on them. This is the problem when you have gambling culture infecting everything. When, when, when playoffs being the, when championships being the only thing that matters, when it infects your entire culture, just enjoy the games. Enjoy the, the, the growth of these young men as they become better and they turn into stars in front of your eyes. Marvin Harrison Jr. became a star in what you would call a meaningless game because it wasn't a college football playoff game. We watched him blossom in the Rose Bowl. We watched Vince Young turn into a star in the Rose Bowl the year before he won the national championship against Michigan. You watch these young men turn into stars in front of your very eyes. And sometimes we miss the forest for the trees complaining about what we do and do not have. Ward, he's not here. He quit. No, I'm kidding. Ward is getting ready for opera. He's writing for opera, so he's not joining us tonight. Shout out to Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh said they need to get paid. Like, listen, y'all say what y'all want about Harbaugh. Let me throw my scammers on real quick. Hold on. Let me get, let me get, let me get it together. He was cheating, cheating. He was cheating. Well, allegedly. Someone in his program was cheating, cheating. Allegedly. But one thing Jim Harbaugh is right about, the kids deserve to get paid. And I'm going to close out because I'm at the 30-minute mark. I'm going to close out. We're going to jump into the NFL. But real quick. Let me say this, I, and I don't know if y'all saw this today, but the NCAA recommended, their, the head of the, the NCAA came out with a recommendation that the Power Four conferences create a, their own division where they can compensate the, the players. Right now, Title IX comes into play, so they have to make sure they compensate. The men's programs, the women's co- programs also have to be compensated. But basically, the, the compensation would come directly to the schools, I'm sorry, to the players, and then they can also get whatever money they can make on name, image, and likeness. And while that is a step in the right process, in the right, that's a step in the right direction, excuse me, it ain't enough. <laughs> it is not a, it's, listen, what did JD Kiss say? It's good, but it's not enough. We need, I need to see a cut of that TV money going to the kids now if you tell me you're going to make that happen then we now we getting somewhere but we are getting closer and closer it, college sports is already am is basically pro sports with the with the glossy amateur finish on it right but if we get to that point where you have the four power conferences and notre dame and washington state and oregon because if they win the divorce between them and the other 10 schools who are leaving they're going to be sitting on a bunch of dough. If those schools decide to break away and create their own thing, this is pro sports. It is, it is, it is pro minor league sports, right? Because the NFL is still the NFL. But you can't, I'm going to say it, 12, a 12 team playoff was not needed. It was not necessary. It was done for the money in which the kids see none of it. And the kids need day bread. They are the reason we watch. 
They're the reason we spend money on merch. They're the reason we are on message boards every day. At least once a day, I'm on irishillustrated.com at 24-7 Sports. They deserve their piece of the pie. Now, let me know what y'all think about that. Hit me up at Brains and Bars on YouTube, Twitter. What do you think about the college football playoff? What do you think about the uh, Power Four conferences breaking away to create their own league, essentially? Um, Let me know what y'all think about that. All right, man, let's jump into the NFL, right? Uh, Week 13 action went down this weekend. Y'all see it, man. I don't don't normally be out here with the the flying the team colors like this. I'm low-key. I'm a low-key fan. Um, so I don't normally be out here, you know, excuse me, supporting the team like that. I did have an epic rant, uh, the other night about college football fans, shout out to Jesse. <laughs> um, but the Niners took on the Eagles this weekend. It was again, one of the games of the year and it was, a, it was a beat down. It was a beat down. Now, listen, I ain't gonna hold you. The first two drives from the Niners, it was looking a little shaky, baby. Look, <laughs> it didn't look good, but. After those first two drives, they got their first down and they got their first touchdown. And then they got on their DJ Khaled. They said, another one. And then another one. And then another one. And then after four back-to-back drives, they got on their LeBron James when he decided to create the idea of the deluxe album for 2 Chains and said, you know what, Philly? I appreciate y'all coming on this journey with me. Here go two more for y'all. And they got two more touchdown drives for six Back to back to back to back to back to back touchdown drives. Put the game away. They end up winning, was it 42, 19, something like that. Don't call it the score. It was bad. It, it was all bad. Um, <laughs> and so at least for one day, like I said last week, the 49ers, my team, got to shut up Nick Sirianni. They got the big, big Dom kicked out the game, which was ridiculous what he did. Your job is to protect uh, Nick and the players from people not wearing 49er jerseys, not from the 49ers themselves. Yes, Debo was getting busy. Debo did a lot of talking. He backed up a lot of what he had to say. Shout out to Trent with the comment. And it feels good. Like, it doesn't replace. Now, here's the thing. We, We can't get it twisted, right? It doesn't replace what happened in the NFC title game. It feels good today to be to go into a grudge match and win the grudge match but it does not take away the sting of not making it to a super bowl it does not take away the feeling of hey if brock was healthy we could have won the super bowl potentially right because mahomes is mahomes and the chiefs are the chiefs but they would have had the opportunity to compete for it it doesn't take that away but for one day it feels good to shut them up they talk they talk niners talk they talk and the Niners came out victorious. Now, here's the thing for me as a Niners fan. Here's where I hope that they can start to get their perspective and their focus right. They had their Super Bowl, regular season Super Bowl against Dallas. And after they beat Dallas handily, I might add, they lost three straight. They had their second regular season Super Bowl this past Sunday. And now they have divisional opponents back-to-back they still get the ravens um they get the rams to close out the season i think the commanders right they cannot afford to slip up it's great that you won the game but now you have an opportunity for home field advantage you have the opportunity to have the nfc run through san francisco and look as much as i try to downplay all the talk 
um, about, man, your team, when you know, I go to the barbershop, I'm in the group chat, man, your team, it, it's one of the best teams in the league. That's a Super Bowl favorite right there, boy. Y'all got everything. Da, 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 da. As much as I try to downplay all of that, ignore all of that, listen, the Niners, when healthy, are one of, if not the best team in the league. When, they're, when that offense is clicking on all cylinders, they are really hard to stop. Brock Purdy is not a franchise quarterback in terms of the physical gifts, but when he is on point, that team is really hard to stop. Listen, that pass he threw to Christian McCaffrey, where he threw it before Christian McCaffrey was out, he was pulling a double move, before Christian was fully done with the double move. When he threw it, I said, what is he doing? Where's the ball going? And then Christian accelerates, he catches it. Great play, right? But they got to keep their foot on the gas. They have to be in playoff mode now because they cannot lose again. They have to run the table the rest of the regular season if they want to have a shot at the number one overall seed. And as far as Philly, listen, I, so I, I, for the, the, the podcast listener, the homie Jesse says, Philly has definitely been skating by for a few weeks. This was good for them. Helped helped to stop them feeling themselves and get back to work. And this is true. Like you need a humbling loss like that to get things turned around. Um, they, but for them next week, and we're going to talk about this game in just a second, we're going to get into the chiefs and then we'll get into the, the, the game of the week for week 14, but they went through their gauntlet, right? They had the chiefs, they had the bills, they had the Niners, they had the cow, the first Cowboys game at home, right? They had this gauntlet where it was just, the league kind of set them up with all those games back to back. And they have come through on the other side with one loss. And that is to be applauded. That is incredibly impressive, regardless of how much the I the people may have feel may feel that they have been skating by or just it's it's they've been getting lucky and benefit of the doubt and all that stuff. They made it. And they came out on the other side with as so far, it's only one loss. Right. And we're going to talk about that Dallas Cowboy game in just a second. Let's get into the Chiefs, though, because Kansas City is a town. Oh, boy. Where do we begin? Um, first of all, kudos to the Packers. I know y'all heard the stat, if you watch the game, that Jordan Love's stats were identical to Aaron Rodgers at this same stage of his career. And these last two weeks, man, the boy's been nice. He's been, not, he been on his P's and his Q's. You feel me? You know, he, the cheese has been grating. In Green Bay, right? I mean, over the last couple of weeks. Very impressive versus Detroit. Really good against Kansas City. And they deserve to win that game. In the group chat, I told the homies this. I said, sometimes the worst thing that can happen for you, especially in in sports, when you are leading a franchise, um, GM, making decisions, is when you take a calculated risk, a really big risk, and it works. Because when you take that big risk and it works, it sometimes becomes, as Nick Saban would say, rat poison or fool's gold and fools you into thinking that you can do it again. Now, what am I talking about? The Chiefs last year, they went with a super young defense, right? At the, by the time you get to the Super Bowl, their entire back secondary, minus LeJarrius Sneed, was rookies. And, and Justin Reed. LeJarrius Sneed, Justin Reed, Brian Cook was a rookie, Sneed a rookie. I'm sorry, McDuffie, a rookie, Watson and Williams, rookies, right? Nick Bolton was in his second year. Leo Chanel, who's getting snaps, was in his first year. Um, uh, I call him Greek. J.J. Watt, George Karloftis was in his first year. 
right? So you had all of these young players on the line playing. Mike Dana's like third or fourth year. A couple of veterans, and they were able to win a Super Bowl with that much youth. I think it's like the second youngest team to ever win a Super Bowl. Or the, the team with the most like first and second year players, something like that, right? So the Chiefs go into this offseason. They don't sign, resign Juju Smith-Schuster. They pass on OD, OBJ, Odell Beckham. They pass on um, DeAndre Hopkins. And they come back with a super young wide receiver room, right? This is uh, – we're talking uh, Sky Moore. Rasheed Rice is a rookie. We're talking uh, Justin Ross, who super talented but health issues. Kadarius Tony, super talented health issues. All of these guys, rookie contracts, undrafted free agents, three, maybe, I think Kadarius is what, three, four years of experience outside of MVS, most experienced guy on the roster. Not counting, um, I forget the young man that they got from the Giants. I can't think of his name right now. But they went young. The guys that they were counting on, all super young. And so Avich said, we got the best quarterback in the game. We got away with having super youth at defense. We're going to do the same thing with our wide receiver room, and we are going to thrive. And that bet, snake eyes. He, he, he doubled down on 15 and got the king. Right? Right? He, he, he put it all on double zero on the roulette table, and it didn't hit. It didn't. Whatever, whatever gambling analogy you want to use, it blew up in his face, and it is not working. And the ceiling for this team, as it stands for this year, is severely limited because Mahomes can only do so much. When you're throwing a ball, when, when you're having miscommunications with Sky Moore, I forgot about Justin Watson, who's a veteran. Miscommunications with, with Justin Watson. MVS, you're putting the ball on his hands as if you went and walked it to him and he's dropping it. Not to mention when you start getting interfered with on your routes. That's another story. They took a risk, has not worked. And if I am Lamar or Clark Hunt, excuse me, and I'm pretty sure all the Chiefs Kingdom would agree with this, you're looking at that wide receiver room and you're saying the only people I want to see back in a Chiefs uniform next year, not Kadarius Tony, excuse me, sorry. No, you're, you're done in this town, buddy. Sky Moore, because he's on a rookie contract, you're not going to cut him. Nobody, he's definitely not trade bait. And Rasheed Rice. Everybody else, you ain't got to go home, but you got to get up out of here because it has not worked. This is a, this is an experiment that has blown up in their face, and they're going to have to do something else. Um, whether that is, you know, when after the Super Bowl against the the Bucks, where the the line fell apart, Veach we completely remade the line, and it's been solid ever since. He's going to have to do the same thing with those wide receivers because it's not working, and. I don't, I don't know if you can beat the Bills this weekend. I'm not betting on you beating the Bills this weekend because you can't rely on your defense holding everybody to sub-20 points and hope that your offense gets it together. Teams are too good. Margins are too thin across. All right? So let's spin it forward. Let's jump into this weekend. The big game. This is the, this is the new Super Bowl for the regular season Super Bowl. Cowboys. Eagles part D, part two, going down at Cowboy Stadium this weekend. I went uh, because I, I needed to be out the house. Listen, 
uh, let me let me highlight let me highlight the women who, who are not sports fans who have spouses whether that be men or women who are sports fans and who are passionate about sports i want y'all to understand something when we watch sports because we're passionate because we care we get loud we yell we scream some of us fall down some of us fall to our knees some people they might throw an expletive or two out there uh, you kick it how you kick it be cool how you be cool when we watch sports we do some of us do some of those things some of us do all of those things let us be us allow us to be free in our homes to yell and scream without judgment so i know some people who get judged for saying come on young man you got to do better so i went to the sports bar because that allowed me the freedom to yell and scream Without judgment. Now listen, I'm I, I'm a little demonstrative in public, but I try not to be too demonstrative because I am in public. But still, there's a no judgment zone. The people at the sports bar they understand. They're my that they're, they're my kin. They understand me, right? So I go to the bar to watch this game, Niners game. They they it's it's over by now, and I'm out with the homie Low. Shout out to the Lowe's Factor. Shout out to, um, I almost said Sam Difference Podcast, my God. Shout out to Talk That Real Podcast. Go check them out. And he's a Cowboys fan. So the game is over. Niners are going to win. And I look at him and I go, yo, my guy, it's on y'all now. We did our part, right? Chiefs couldn't do it. Bills couldn't do it. But the Niners did it, right? We did our part. Now it's on y'all. If y'all want a shot at this home field, Y'all want to shot the division? As a Niners fan, I need y'all to put in work. And as much hype as Dak has been getting, we're going to close the show talking about MVP in just a second. All the hype Dak has been getting, the, the Cowboys are averaging 41 points a game at home, which is amazing, right? You have an opportunity this weekend to at least for this weekend, to silence a lot of critics, to dead a lot of narr- narratives. The biggest narrative, the Cowboys only beat up on inferior impo- opponents, right? I think that win against the Seahawks is their first win over a team with a 500 record. I'm going to double check that. I'm going to double check myself on this, but I feel fairly confident that I'm right about that, that this was their first win last Thursday over a team with the 500 record, Right. So that narrative has been dogging the Cowboys all season long. And as I look at it, the Rams were under 500. The Chargers were under 500. Patriots, dear God. Cardinals, oh no. Jets, oh, pff, pff. Giants. Pff. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, Panthers, good God. Jesus, man, this is command. It's been a kind of a cupcake schedule. I ain't gonna hold y'all, Dallas. I mean, look, you beat. First of all, you can only be who's in front of you. So congratulations for that. But mm, my goodness. So, yeah, this is an opportunity for you to change some narratives. And if you beat the Eagles, split the season series, and even up your record with them at three losses apiece, you got a good shot. But then it does not get easier for, for Dallas. They got to play at Buffalo, at Miami. They get the Lions at home, and then they get an easy win over the Commanders. Ron Rivera will probably be his last game as the head coach of the Washington football team. So you have the opportunity to make some headway and do something and turn this into a truly special season, not only for yourself, but for 
your fans? What are you going to do? I wish I had the Michael Irvin clip queued up. The Cowboys are going to rise up and take their rightful place as kings. Kings, I tell you. Like, I wish I had that clip ready to go. And if they win, I might play to start the show. But you have an opportunity to put yourself in the driver's seat in the NFC East. And if Philly should slip up one more time, maybe steal the division. What y'all, what y'all got, man? 41 points at home. Dak has been playing like an MVP candidate. C.D. Lamb has been on fire. Tony Pollard's playing well. Defense, eh, you know, eh, eh, eh. get it together, my boys. Y'all got a big game coming up. So we'll see, man. Y'all let me know. Who, who y'all got this weekend? Let me hear from y'all, man. Hit me up um, in the comments. Hit me up uh, on Twitter, at Brains and Bars. Who y'all got? I'll throw a poll up uh, tomorrow. Cowboys, Philly, who y'all got winning and why? Should be a great game. Um, I'm going to go with the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys beat Philly at home last year with their backup quarterback. Dak was hurt at that point, and Dak's playing at a high level, and that leads me to my final talking point of the night before we get out of here. Listen, man, MVP. I looked up the MVP odds today, right? Top five, and Brock Purdy is now the leading or the Vegas favorite for MVP in the, in, in the NFL right now. Um, hold on. Let me see. Let me see. I think Jalen Hurts is second. Hold on. Let me see. So Brock Purdy is number one. Jalen Hurts is number two. Dak Prescott, number three. Tua Tagovailoa is number four. And Patrick Mahomes is number five. You know, sometimes we can repeat – we can – ourselves into believing something if we say it enough and somehow the, the nfl mvp has become a quarterback award and in most seasons you have a great case where yeah the quarterback has earned right we go back to this meritocracy word that's the word of the day the word of the day meritocracy that's probably gonna be the title of this episode we talk about meritocracy and earning things and this year a quarterback is likely going to win the NFL MVP, but I'm not sure that they may have been the ones who is the most deserving or who has earned that NFL MVP over other players. Most notably at this point in the season, Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill yesterday, if you have not seen his stat line, if you're not a gambler, if you're not playing fantasy football, let me give you his stat line. Ladies and gentlemen, five catches. You might go, oh, okay, five catches. Oh, whoop de doo. Okay, big deal. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me give you how many yards. 157 yards. So let me give you the full. Let me let's take that peanut butter, that jelly, and put it all together so you can see what we got. Five catches, 157 yards, two touchdowns. Averaging every time he touched the ball, he covered a third of the football field. Football field, 100 yards. Every time he touched it, he took up a third of it. 31.4 yards a catch. I get it. New ownership in Washington. You're trying to feel your way, trying to, under, you know, trying to do this the right way. Let me tell you something, my guy. You play against Tyreek Hill, the most explosive athlete we have in football today. 
and you single cover him, not once, not twice, not three times, but all game long. When we get back to where JFK, I don't know what airport, Dulles, JFK, or no, I'm sorry, Ronald Reagan. We get back to Ronald Reagan, Dulles. I don't know which airport y'all landing at. By the time we land, I need your resignation with the pilot. Don't hand it to me. Leave it with the pilot and I'll get it from him because you are done in this town, bucko. You cannot coach. You cannot be my coach anymore because I cannot trust you. Obviously, when you have a player of his caliber and you single co- and after the first time he hit you for 30. Not after the second time he hit you for 30. Not after. You got to go, bro. We can't. I can't trust you. I can't. I can't trust you. For, for who? For what? He cooking. He eating all day. Like, come on, fam. Tyreek Hill is the NFL MVP. He should be, without a doubt, number one in Vegas for the NFL MVP. That man said before the season, I'm going for 2K. And with five games to go, if he averages, I think it's a hundred, a little bit over 103 yards a game, he will hit. 2,000 yards in a season. He will. I don't know if he'll quite shatter the record for most receiving yards. Let me look that up real quick. Let me look that up real quick. Most receiving yards in a single season. Uh, Calvin Johnson had 1,964 yards in 2012. Right now, Tyreek Hill is at 1,1481. Right. So he's he's probably going to break that. He's already he's already at fifteen hundred, basically, just round up. If he gets to two thousand yards, he needs to be your NFL MVP. Shout out to Tua. Great season. You're not having the type, you're not having the type of success as a quarterback, and the Dolphins are not experiencing the type of success without Tyreek Hill. All due respect to Tua. The person who should be number two as MVP is Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey is, by and large, the reason the Niners are who they are. Shout out to Debo Samuel. Great game. Shout out to uh, Trent Williams. Phenomenal. Shout out to Brandon Ayuk, one of the best route runners in the game. Shout out to George Kittle, one of the best tight ends in the game. Brock Purdy does not experience the success he has without not only all of those guys, but in particular, Christian McCaffrey. I've watched several clips this week of Christian McCaffrey and the gravity he has as just without even touching the ball. He goes out into onto, into the flat. He's got two linebackers chasing him. Now the middle of the field is open. Jawan Jennings, first down. He goes in motion at the snap of the ball. Linebackers are paying attention to him. They lose uh, responsibility and contain on George Kittle. Explosive play, 20-plus yards down the field. His And then that's just him as decoys in the pattern. I already talked about the catch he made um, from, from Purdy, where Purdy seemingly what we thought was him throwing up a YOLO ball, but it was, it was him throwing the ball before Christian was out of his break, essentially, right, where he makes that play. We see what he does as a runner and how he finds his vision, his contact balance, his ability to get the yards you need and create explosive plays sometimes out of nothing. 
let me let me let me help y'all understand something. Y'all kill Patrick Mahomes because y'all say or used to say, well, he's got Tyreek Hill and he's got you know uh, Travis Kelsey. He's got the two two top five skill position players on the same team, and he got Andy Reid. Brock Purdy has more around him than Patrick Mahomes ever has. He's never had the top running back in the game. He's mm, he has in Brandon Ayuk and, and um, Debo two receivers who are super dangerous, whereas Patrick has only had one super dangerous wide receiver. Patrick Mahomes has never had a future Hall of Fame generational left tackle in Trent Williams protecting his blind side. Oh, and to top it all off, he also has one of the best play callers in the game. Oh, and to add on that, one of the best defenses in the game year after year after year. Shout out to Brock Purdy. He's going to earn a check in a couple of years that would allow him to live on his own and not have to live with a roommate. But he is not who he is without Christian McCaffrey. And he should be number two in your MVP race because of the year that he's put together leading the league in rushing. Um, I'm pretty sure that Christian has probably got over 300 yards in receiving yards. So he's probably somewhere 13, 1400 all purpose yards and 12 total touchdowns. Let me see. Let me check his stats for the year. Thus far, he's only 27, by the way. Uh, Christian, where's the receiving part at? Gosh, the pro football reference has a lot of numbers for you to decipher. He's not at 300 yet. So 261 receiving yards thus far um, as a receiver. Let me make sure I got that number right. Something like that. So I'm, I'm sorry. I'm trying to do this in real time and not have a lot of dead space. So bear with me. Um, no, he's at 429 receiving yards. Forgive me. 429 receiving yards, five re- receiving touchdowns, 1,032 uh, rushing yards and 12 touchdowns. So he's got 17 touchdowns right now and almost a little bit over 1,400 all-purpose yards. That man should be number two. All due respect to the to the quarterbacks. And if Dak somehow ends up with the number one seed, I guess you got to crown Dak the MVP. You might. But this is the year of all years where you should have skilled players leading the NFL MVP race. And I started this say, out by saying – if we say something enough, it'll become true. We don't have to crown an MVP as a quarterback. We can talk about Tyreek Hill and A.J. Brown. Shout out to him because he went crazy again Sunday. We can talk about Tyreek, A.J., and CMC enough because you have the power to turn to change that narrative. Let me know what y'all think about that, man. Who y'all got as MVP and why? That's my time, man. I've been on here for an hour. I appreciate y'all in the comments. Appreciate, thought, appreciate y'all who've been watching. Please remember, you can check us out on every episode of Black and White Thing by going to the podcast app of your choice, searching for Brains and Bars, searching for It's a Black and White Thing. Rate, review, subscribe. It was five stars. You can also find us on YouTube. Comment, share, hit the notification bell so when we go live, you know we are live. Um, shout out uh, A-Ward. Remember, um, Culture 6 going out. I battle this weekend versus Appa. And until next time, it's been a Black and White Thing, man. Y'all be easy. Have a good night. Enjoy your weekend. And uh, we'll holler at y'all on the next time.